This is episode number 62 with Julie Riesler. Welcome to American Snippets, your source for inspirational, motivational, and selfless stories and interviews from exceptional people across the nation. And now, here's your host, Barb Allen and Dave Brown. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the American Snippets podcast. Thank you so much for listening in to today's show. My name is Dave Brown. I'm your co-host here, along with my partner, Barbara Allen. And just a little housekeeping before we get into today's episode and today's guest. Uh, Look, Barb and I love the work that we do here at American Snippets, and it's our mission to spread positivity, possibility, and patriotism across this country. So if you believe in this mission as well, you enjoy our work, and you want to do your part to spread this message, then please tell a friend what we're doing here. And leave us a review on iTunes. So if you're an Apple user, all you need to do is head on over to your podcast app and leave us a review there. If not, you can also subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app like Google Podcasts, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Reviews are such an important piece in getting this message and our stories in front of more listeners. So again, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and tell us what you think of the show. We would be very grateful if you did. Again, our our guests are exceptional Americans who are giving back both in business and in everyday life. These stories are compelling examples of positivity, possibility, and patriotism that can help you get one step closer to living your own American dream. And in today's case, designing your own American dream. Julie Riesler is not a celebrity or a household name. But her story is one played out in the lives of millions of people battling the effects of addiction. While she's successfully taken control of her own health and designed the life most fulfilling to her, she's painfully aware of all the people who are silently fighting their own battles. And now she's giving back and she's very passionate about helping others live their own extraordinary lives. Julie is an author, a speaker, and a lifestyle designer who's mastered the art of tough love with a warm smile. And she openly shares her struggle with food addiction with us and speaks about how she learned to overcome that addiction. Now, without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Julie Riesler. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. We love all the people we get to meet through our work, and the guests that we have on here always have their own personalities and quirks and such. Today's guest, I think, out of everybody I've interviewed, if we had an American Snippets Nice Award, Julie Reisler would get it, I swear. I am so impressed by her, not only for her story, but for the way in which she goes about helping people with such a positive, always sunny attitude. I like to think I have that too, but mine definitely has a little bit of snark and edge. And Julie is just absent of all of that. I swear. Um, I'm going to play a little game with her later, see if I can get her to be not nice, but I don't think it's possible um, (laughs) because I like to do that. Julie, thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That was one of the <laughs> nicest intros and I'm laughing because I'm like, that's, I, 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 that just, that like made me smile so big that my cheeks are hurting. So thank yes. You. See, and you're always, always smiling. Uh, I didn't get into it in that intro because I think most important part for me is your energy. I'm an energy person. I'm a, I will meet people and kind of forget their names, but I remember their energy. Right. And with you, it's all your energy is so strong, so good. And I think it's what makes you in the perfect place for what you are doing. You are a 
somebody who has been through your own share of adversity, you have overcome a food addiction that really kind of overwhelmed your life. But not only did you overcome that and then go on with your own life and settle on your own path doing your own thing, you have used that experience and all those strengths and skills and resiliency you developed in that path of, of overcoming your own challenges. And now you're applying all of that. You have turned those challenges into kind of a weapon to help other people make it through their own. And you didn't just go on your own way and live your life. You're like, no, I'm going to use this experience to help others. And you are out there doing it. You are a speaker. You are an author. You are a coach. I've got to meet somebody that you coach and he's a great advocate for you too. So I am super excited to have you here. I got to meet you at the TEDx talk that we both did. That was exciting. And you've, you've, done more than one TEDx talk. Yeah, I did one. Uh, actually, <laughs> I, I thought the one I did before the one we met at was was a little more polished, but that's okay. I did one at uh, University of Maryland uh, a couple months before the TEDx in Austin. Yeah, awesome. It was it was great. What a great experience. And I want to talk about that whole TEDx experience later because I really like to encourage people to to go out there and, and do it. It was great. But let's talk a little bit. We'll go kind of sequentially. Um, can you tell us a little bit about or a lot uh, about your about your story and your struggle? I think food addiction is probably one of the undernoted illnesses and struggles that people have in this world. We all know about different types of addiction. I have, unfortunately, up close and personal experience with somebody who was addicted to alcohol and, and drugs, mm -hmm. which is the addiction that everybody knows. But food addiction, I think, is sort of like the silent, underreported and lesser known addiction, but still very uh, damaging and even lethal in some cases. So can you, are you open to sharing a little bit of that with us, your own, your own struggle with it? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love what you just said. You know, I think um, this is one of the ones that, you know, I, so let me, let me take a step back and yeah. say that I think as human beings, most of us have something we're often, if not addicted to, that we're relying on yes. to feel good, to feel present. My aim today, this is after many, many years of of times when I didn't feel present and connected right, and wanting to right. use my own skin, you know, some, for some of us, it's addiction to social media or to gossip or negative negativity or TV or alcohol or drugs or sex. Yep. Mine was food. And I think like many people, you know, food, especially sugar and, and items with, you know, high sugar, fat, salt content, which is a whole nother topic, you know, we know that that triggers the same part of your brain, that reward center that alcohol does. And right, so, right. you know, I used to joke that you don't get pulled over, but I should have gotten pulled over for eating, you know, bags and bags of M&Ms because what happened was I became crazy, literally crazy from eating that because the yeah. sugar effect on your body and, you know, my emotions. And so it's, it's an acceptable addition, addiction in the sense that it's readily available. It's easy to buy. You can go to any supermarket. We were just joking at my kids. We went to Hershey Park and I was oh, yeah. laughing. I'm like, this is a food addict's dream and nightmare. <laughs> like I don't, today I don't eat sugar because it's just not good for my body. It doesn't like it. And I can't eat one of anything. So I was just, I was walking around like, my God, this, I can't believe I'm so grateful today that I'm not you know, um, needing or wanting to eat that, but you know, it started, it's interesting and I'll share this. And I think this will probably tie in also to your kind of background and mission. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the Boston area. My dad, uh, is a veteran. He was in Vietnam war and, um, I believe uh, had undiagnosed PTSD. Okay. And okay. so 
Um, the great thing is my dad was extremely and is extremely loving, like overly compensating. And one of the ways that he showed love because he struggled financially often. And one way to show love is through food. And so like many of us, whether, you know, you don't have to be from a big fat Greek or Italian or whatever family, but my, my family, a big, you know, big uh, dose of love was shown through food. My dad, especially would bring Mm -hmm. home enough food. My friends would laugh for dinner. You know, it would be enough for 50 for like five of us or six of us. So I think really early on, you know, I had this love relationship. I coupled it with my dad. My dad was my best friend. I think it helped him to cope with, with depression. Oh yeah. And it, and, and, you know, it's not the worst idea because truthfully um, it does kill over time, but it is a different type of insidiousness than, than alcohol. You don't typically, you know, you don't get, again, you don't get thrown into jail or into get a DUI from eating Twinkies. Um, but it still, it still caused a lot of havoc. And I think, you know, there was a lot of secrecy, a lot of, um, I'd find stashes of food all over his desk area. I hid food. I mean, just crazy crap with food and things that I would never want anyone to know. Now today I'm at a place where I've really, um, uncovered that and I'm happy to share it. And I'm, I know that that doesn't define me. In fact, there's a lot of people that secretly eat and that binge eat and that, you know, I see it out of the trash can, which is something I shared in my Ted talk. Um, again, trash can in my office, but still it doesn't matter. Any trash can is a trash can. If you're eating, you know, crap out of the trash can, it's not where you want to be. No, Um, not where you want to be. So, you know, I would say this for me, this is about 15 years ago. I had a complete breakdown. I was not happy in my job. I was eating compulsively emotionally. I felt like crap. I was married to a really good guy, but not really the best fit for me. And I just had this absolute breakdown to the point where I, yeah, it's a whole story, but I ate like a Costco six pound bag of M&Ms. I was sick for three days. Oh my gosh. Growing up, gastro issues. I mean, it was it was not pretty. And um, and honestly, Barb, I remember I was uh, I had a trusted friend who's a therapist. She said, "Julie, I really think you should get your butt to a support group." And she told me of one. It was twelve step based. And as I was driving, I considered driving into a wall, like mm-hmm. into a tree. I really, I mean, it was. So I want to say that because it 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 looked like you know we joked. I'm always smiling. I was really good at smiling and looking happy. Yes. <laughs> Today, the difference is I actually feel that from within. I did not feel that from within. There was a lack of self-connection, self-love. So, you know, I, I really considered 15 years ago taking my life over this. And um, I think that was a moment when I, I'll never forget. I, I thought, you know, I had two roads. I could go to the road that would have ended things or I could do the road that was not fun, but was the support group and help and excavation. And thank God I did that one. Um and I did a lot, a lot of time. I call it my, not jail time, but it was a lot of time of personal development. I mean, thousands of hours with sponsor and coach and mentor and meet, you know, three to four meetings a week for 10 years. And then therapy wow. just did a lot of work on myself. And that's from that place where I kind of got this like, oh, I get who I am and what I'm here for. And that resulted in changing a lot of things in my life. Like my marriage at the time, I'm remarried today. I left my job, my cushy job to start my own business, a lot of transformation. Um, doesn't always happen that way for everyone, but that was my story. Yeah. And that's quite a story. And that has a lot of different opportunities there to share 
kind of insight and lessons with people um, because at, at so many of those points along the way, like you said, you could have just given up and ended it or even, uh, you know, stopped halfway and kind of found a way, well, okay, this is kind of a mediocre existence, but it's better than it was and I don't have to work that hard for it and kind of settled somewhere in between for a life that was maybe not as unhealthy, but certainly is, is not as fulfilled a- as you are now. And do you have an idea of what was it that kind of pushed you to go those extra, you know, once you get to kind of a comfort level and you can decide, okay, either I'm good here, I'm cool, I can just kind of chill out here, or I can just continue pushing myself and embracing the suck and going a little further into it. Uh, What was it that kind of helped you go to that next leg instead of just kind of settling there? Yeah, it's a really, it's a great question. I like how you asked that. And I think for me, it's interesting I think what happened was when I really started to excavate myself and start to feel connected to who I am and then start to get really in tune with my purpose and what I feel like I'm here on this planet to do, um, that led, I ended up doing a master's degree in health and wellness coaching and nutrition, interestingly. And I guess, you know, Barb, I just, I, I, and it's, it has never left me every day. I wake up with this fire in my stomach, my belly. It's like, I... Um, I know what it's like to feel like you don't want to live and not because of something that's so awful on the outside, but because of what's going on inside. And I just realized there are so many people, especially women, men too, that are living lives that are mediocre or what I call fine. Mm -hmm. Um, when I, I believe that it can be extraordinary and I started to feel like life became more extraordinary as I stepped into what I felt I was here to do. And so helping others to do that has become my obsession. Um, I would, I just, I can't go in my life knowing there are people that might be feeling that way and not somehow being of service and helping them. Um, and so my, my books have come from that place. Everything I do comes from that place. Like I just, helping others to live to their potentiality, like that whole, it's a metaphor, but the acorn becoming an oak tree. Like I, I am not okay with looking at acorns that are just acorns. Like I see everybody (laughs) as an oak tree, you know, and I'm like, all right, where's your oak tree? It may not be visible, but it's there. We all have the blueprint inside, I believe. Yeah, perfect. And so, but there is a difference, right? And this is something I have found in my own work and travels and, and studies I, I do, you know, in my own life and, and on people is that that threshold is different for everybody. I like to compare it to like, say we all live in a valley of a mountain and some people it's a beautiful view. Life is good in the valley. It's great. But for some people, they want to see what's on top and other people don't. Right. And so it's the people that are kind of restless in the valley, but choose to stay there. They're the ones you're like, why not? And then you have all these excuses that people say, well, the climb's too hard. So what if I fail? They'll laugh at me, all this stuff, you know, and then you kind of uncover their excuses. So do you find that people and see, so I, and here's the difference, I think, because I'm like, oh, that's an excuse. How would you term that if somebody came to you and said, Julie, I want to be an oak tree, but here's why I'm going to be an acorn because, you know, I don't have the money or I'm sick and I deal with this chronic illness or, you know, yeah. I, I don't have the means to get to where I need to get or, you know, what, how yeah. do you deal with that when people come to you and say that? Yeah. And that happens all the time. And I would say that there's a couple ways to respond to that. Number yeah. one, there's what's called the, I think it's Prochanska's his name, the readiness uh, stages of change. So 
some people are in a, I want to change, but really I don't want to do the work. And so I, I am very good. I guess my skill, one of my skills is being extremely direct and also very compassionate and holding a space of, um, I, I, what I've been told is that I'm excellent at like saying like some really direct stuff in a way that people can hear it. So for me, if somebody is at that readiness to do some sort of change, like if I'm hearing excuses, what I might say is, listen, I'm hearing you argue for your limited potential. Like if you want to stay there, that is fine. And I am not the person for you to help you. If you are ready to make a change, then what I'm, I'm hearing are a lot of excuses. Are you willing to look at that, look in a different way? Cause that's going to keep giving you what you've got. So I'm you know, I've gotten really good at having those conversations. I'm not afraid of that. Um, because I'm standing for their bigger self. That's what I've learned. Um, not everyone is up for that and wants to work with me and and I'm okay with that. In fact, what I've learned is today, most people that I'm attracting are those that, you know, want to make change and are cool with like, yeah, I take a hundred percent responsibility. If you're going into victimhood, I will call you on it lovingly. And yeah. then it's, <laughs> there's the difference. Yes. That yeah, I want to say is that's a, that's a skill, man. That's a skill <laughs> <laughs> that you have. I love it. I love it. That's My so kids funny. will tell you that I don't necessarily have that skill right. like to be, I mean, to a certain point I am, but then I'm like, look, I, I don't got time for this. <laughs> you know, so, right. But uh, no, that's uh, something to be commended for. That's it's awesome that you can do that. And and I saw you when I when I last saw you in person, we were at that conference in Texas where we spoke uh, at Vetted's conference where we were speaking to veterans who are transitioning out of the military and looking to find their new purpose. And I will tell you from the two times that I got to see you speak and do yeah. things when I got to see you in that room at vetted when you were speaking one-on-one with the crowd, you know, the audience and interacting with them and stuff. That is something that you just can't necessarily teach. And some of it you can teach, right? But you have that ability to kind of connect with people, even though it was a whole room of people, you were able to break it down and get people who'd been sitting in a conference for two and a half days and were nearing the end of it, right? You got them still to dial back in and do that. And that's a it's almost dangerous when you make it look easy because maybe people are like, Oh, you know, it's I, anybody can do that. Right. What do I need her for? But you know, it's not easy. And it's the fact that you made it look so easy was, was really great. Um, so you Thank have you. one book that's out and then you have another book that is due to be released. Can you tell us about the, the books? Yeah, sure. And I just to go back really fast. What yeah. You're saying. I think the the common denominator for me, and it's funny, I'm actually more comfortable in a facilitating speaking, but working with people because it's interactive and it's not just me didactically speaking. So that second day when I got to do that, you know, I think for me, the thing is I love people. I really do. And I love people and I see their potentiality. So for me, it's like, honestly, I see everybody as a, as whatever you call it, God or whatever your word is, they're each an extended, extended version of that something sacred. So to yeah. me, it's like, yeah, you're not getting, you're like, I'm not, I'm not fighting for your limitation here. Like we're going to look at something else. So that, that I think helps with where I'm coming from. But anyhow, um, and that does lead into the books because I wrote these books, the first book. Um, so it's, they're both get a PhD in you is the first book. The um, tagline is um, 
A Course in Miraculous Self-Discovery. And it's really, it's, it, it, it's for men too, but a lot of women have read it. It has, you know, pink cover and, but I've had, you know, men read through it. I mean, it's really to build not just self-awareness, but to get you to look at, okay, like what is my purpose and passion? What am I here to do? What's getting in my way? Um, I really took all of what I learned from 15 years and created a, a book I would have wanted and I made right. it interactive. So the second book is the business edition. So I'm starting a series and that really, I, I do a lot of work with companies and teams, government, military, entrepreneurs, and I wanted something that didn't have a pink cover and that also <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna ask you actually and how yeah. do you how you appeal to both genders. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, this one this was really fun. I wrote this, I actually call it my I hope it takes flight. I wrote it on seven different flights, uh back and forth in the West Coast. I just wrote it. It's, I wrote it in the air. Perfect. Uh, it was so much fun because it also, the language is, um, you know, the tagline is uh, master yourself to crush it at work and life. So it's definitely got, you know, a feel that you could use in a company setting, you could use with teams. Um, the design of it is to be able to help employees and people to understand their strengths better and have more self-awareness to have higher emotional intelligence. When you, I mean, studies show when you have higher EQ and you have an intelligence and empathy, you're more successful in life and in work. And so it's designed to help you get to that, that place. And then there's a bonus, there's a chapter at the end that a very uh, dear friend and extraordinary leader, thought leader um, wrote on how to do this at the scale of all, how to do it in a big system, um, which I'm trained to do. I do a lot of system, um, like how do you help a system to flourish? So I'm actually, I just found out going to Pearl Harbor in March to do nice. trainings with, um, with one of the defense agencies through the government and military. Awesome. Uh, I know. I know. Yeah. We're we're going to be looking, part of it is looking at, you know, managing your energy. You talked about energy, like your actual physical, mental, emotional energy, because we are energetic beings. We are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. So I want to circle back a little now. I like to kind of lay it out there and then we're going to go back and kind of pull things apart a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So dialing back to when you made those changes in your life. It's not easy. That was a lot of changes for you to make at once. A lot of things for you to look at and say and acknowledge, hey, I have this problem. I have this addiction. And I like that you pointed out that a lot of us are addicted to a lot of things. I could sit here and name five things that I'm like, just so ingrained with doing or having or ha that would be like an issue for me to not have or not do uh, you know, like coffee in the morning and my glass of wine at night. Like I gotta, you know, I gotta have this, I gotta get outside. I have nature and I, I have my quirks, my tendencies, but those are things in my life that I could a thousand percent cut out. I just choose not to. Right. And, yeah. and I think everybody has that. So I like that you mentioned that. So for yeah. you to look at something enormous like that, like, you know, Hey, I do have this food. It's actually an addiction. It's not just a bad habit. It's yeah. not a craving. It's an actual addiction. And yeah. this is what it's doing to my life is yeah. huge because although there's different kinds of addictions, I know that a lot of the, uh, the factors in dealing with that addiction are, are the same. And the first is acknowledging it. Yeah. And, and a lot of us hide from that. A lot of people who have major addiction problems hide from that. And so that's yeah. the first battle that you won there. That's the first point where you could have failed, but that's the first step that you won and you took back your life. And then you had to address your 
marriage. And then you had to address your career change. Like all these things weren't right in your life. And for you to get healthy, for you to get where you needed to be, you couldn't just yeah. deal with the addiction. You had to be like, okay, well, by the way, I also have to uh, sort through all of these. How did you do that? And what were what was yeah. like a moment in your life where you said, hey, this is part of what's stopping me from doing what I need to do. And this is something I need to to change. It's hard to get out of a relationship, especially a marriage, right? So, <laughs> you know, how how did you get to a place where in the middle of all that, you knew this was a decision you had to make and you did it? Yeah, I love, again, great question. And it's interesting because now looking back, it seems so linear. But what I will say is that I think it was unfolding and unfolding. It's like excavating. If you, if you peel an onion, right, yeah. you don't peel the onion all at once. And so the first step was really getting, I'm freaking powerless over food and that it, and it's not just a bad habit. I, I cannot have one Oreo. I can guarantee you right now, you know, people don't get it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I, I can't, I'll have the whole box. Yeah. And I, I tested it. You know, I, I'm uh-huh. clear. Right. Um, and so when I got, I started doing a lot of work on myself and, and, and uncovering, you know, oh my God, I'm living with a mask on. And so part of that was realizing, you know, I didn't mention this earlier, but I had grown up with a mom um, who's an opera singer, music teacher. I'd done a lot of theater and I realized, oh my God, if I'm going to wear a mask, I should be doing it and get paid to do it. So I did a whole on-camera training and I started, it was so much fun. I And I still do this a little bit. I started getting into commercials and hosting and on-camera work and, you know, commercial modeling for somebody with huh. food addiction. It was crazy. And I'm like, they said, you're very real. I'm like, okay, great. I'll do real, real stuff. And I got, I decided if I'm going to wear a mask, I'm going to get paid for that. I'm going to act, I'm going to get paid for it. So there was some sort of a switching, like changing of the guard. I decided, mm-hmm. I just I slowly realized to be authentically me meant um, eating a certain way, no matter what people thought, doing these things on the side that, that, that were part of what made me really feel lit up. Um, and I think as I did more of this process of excavating me, you know, literally I had two kids under the age of three, um, woke up in a panic attack and realized like, I am not okay in my marriage. And that was really painful and I don't recommend it yet. It was the right decision. Right. And, you know, to have to share that with my husband with like no real great reason. Although as we start to look at things, it became apparent like, oh yeah, this is not a good fit. Right. Um, so I grew more into myself that evolved. And then, you know, realizing when I did my, my coaching program and I started doing more personal development work, I realized I've got, I, now that I've done, gone this far, I've got to be doing something I'm in love with. Not that I just, that's okay. And so big, big, scary leap to start my own business. I've never done that. No entrepreneurial experience. I had no yeah. idea. That's who I am, but I didn't know. What had um, you, what was your job at that point? I worked for the largest franchise for Panera Bread in Maryland, and they yep. expanded to three states, and I was director of recruiting, and I also was uh, director of customer relations. And I started with 10 locations, ended with 63. So I was in charge of thousands of hires. And, um, you know, I, I think I did a good job for them. I was there 11 years. They didn't want me to leave. Um, it wasn't on bad terms. I just yep. knew I've got to do something that's going to feed my soul at a very deep level. Um, the joke was I would talk to guests about, 
you know, chicken being left off their salad. And I'm like, it's not about that. They're really, there's something <laughs> going on. I'm coaching you now on that. That's weird. Um, <laughs> is it the chicken you're missing or is it maybe just no, some extra flavor? <laughs> it's not that's the not chicken. What's happening here. Um, <laughs> the other thing, Barb, years of, of eating, overeating sugar, probably, you know, birth control and antibiotics ended up really messing with my, um, my gut, my immune system, my stress level. So I ended up, um, while I was studying about all of this in my program, um, passed out in a target in Florida with the guy I'm married to, but was dating, I was separated. Yeah. Uh, and EMT came they're like, you're a young, what, like what's going on? I'm like, I have no idea. And my thyroid just stopped working. So I now have a, um, chronic autoimmune wow. thyroid. So started to really look at how am I supposed to eat and live and be in a way that's going to support me because I have big stuff to do. So, you know, my new addiction is meditating and I'm okay with that. You know, my addiction is, uh, finding quiet time yeah. and sleep. So it's just, it's been this layering unlayering process. And I would say that, um, if you told me all of this, I would have been like, no way, but because it's happened over time, um, just really trusted my, I've learned to trust my inner voice. And that's kind of what I, I like to teach people is that we all have that. Yeah. Great. I'm so glad I asked that question. Cause that was like a whole <laughs> other level of that story. And that's amazing, you know, just to be you know, out there, you know, literally pass out on the ground and then wake up yeah. and say, wow, I have to really do something about this. You know, that's a, that's like a moment from God, you know, up there, like, boom, you're down, <laughs> like, yeah. like wake up, you know, or, or keep out. That's, uh, that's crazy, crazy. So okay. do you find, yeah, go ahead. Well, the funny thing is there were all these young, like really good looking EMT guys. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? Like, where am I? Why are they around me? And I realized it was in Florida. Like, it, you know, they're used Man. to coming to elderly people. And I was like, well, this isn't so bad, <laughs> but <laughs> as my boyfriend or husband at the time, I was like, yeah, that wasn't a bad experience. I just, not what I expected. And it's definitely a wake up call, a real wake up call. Yeah. But to wake up surrounded by that is not bad. I have a friend who convinced me, but way before I did like anything like super physical, she convinced me to drive two hours to Philadelphia to, oh no, this was a different one to drive, to go to DC and be in the 10 K, the Marine Corps 10 K. I hate running, hate running, but I did it for her and I'm out there and I'm jogging. We had stayed out all night, barely come home just in time to go to the race. Right. So I'm in bad shape as it was. I'm running. I look around and she's gone just gone. And so I'm getting through the 10 K it's emotional. It's physical. And I'm calling her. I'm like, Kathleen, where are you? She had a uh, AFib didn't under didn't realize it was so bad. So I'm doing this race and same thing. I end this race, this 10 K in emotional, sweaty, not good mess. And there she is surrounded by these Adonis EMTs, like all <laughs> thing. I'm like, what? <laughs> so maybe, maybe you two are related because she pulled, she pulled the same crap on me. So <laughs> Oh my God. But I'm glad. Cute. Yeah, that had nothing to do with what we're talking about, but you just remind me of that. And so, sure. uh, but yes, you know, everybody has those moments, right? And those are, it was a wake up moment for her. I'm glad it was a wake up moment for you. Do you find, I mean, do you have any kind of idea about how many people just in this country struggle with food addiction? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we know statistically, I know the obesity levels right now are, are, are oh, yeah, over 50%. Yeah. I mean, I think are closer to almost to right. 55, 60. That's, that's, you know, childhood obesity. And, and I do believe, I can't say everybody who's obese is a, is a food right. addiction, but I would say 
probably most, probably 80% of that grouping, 90% has a food addiction. And the the problem is, and without getting into real detail here, but with a lot of companies that frankly, understand the levels of when you start getting packaged foods, they literally create items that are craveable and addictive. So they mm-hmm. wire your your brain and test it when you're eating something like Cheetos and they see that it's at the addictive level. And so there are things that are really hard not to be addicted to because yeah. this the sugar, fat, salt content in there is, you know, at that level. Like it's very hard to be addicted to an avocado. I eat them every day. I love no, them. I love them too. Like mm-hmm. every day, a whole avocado, I have a yes. whole ticket, but I'm not like, you know, a fiend. I'm yes. not like, I have an avocado. I got to have 12 avocados. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, in fact, that'd be too much. So, yeah. you know, think of things that don't have barcodes. I always say right. eat things that from the ground, from the sea, from the land, from the trees, if they walk, if you're into meat, uh, which I do and I eat, um, it's good for my body. You know, try to do things in their natural form without packaging, without right. barcodes if you can, that's it. You can, your body is so wise. I mean, I can feel it the minute I eat, you know, it's, it's a different experience to have a potato versus potato chips. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, French fries, man, if it's a good French fry, I, I have to like walk away or get the small order or something, because if it's yeah. a good French fry, I'll house them and Twizzlers. I used to take Twizzlers on my road trips. I used to drive North Carolina all the time. I had to stop doing it because I would literally eat an entire pound of Twizzlers in my right. nine, nine hour drive. Um, and so I just, I gen, I don't buy them anymore. I'm like, that's it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> no Those Twizzlers. Like, well, don't I get the don't. Twizzlers. Do not yeah. get Twizzlers. It was a yeah. joke. I like tap my arm. It's like, I call it a street drug. Yeah. I really, I think these sugary items, mm-hmm. if people understood the amount of sugar you're really supposed to have. And I'm not talking about fruit, although it does have high I was going to ask you, yeah, what's the difference? So like, say you yeah. eat like, you know, a pint of fresh strawberries and that has all that sugar yeah. in it. Does that have any negative yeah. effect on you as well? So it does. It does for somebody like me, I'm very sensitive. And so for me, I try to take most, a lot of sugars out. My gut doesn't like them. I I mean, I am so in tune today that I can feel I can have a few, but I just, I think I overdid it for most of my life that if I have too much fruit, it's not quite, it's no way now, but most people look, strawberries have a ton of antioxidants. They got vitamins They're you know, nutrient dense. The issue to know is they still do have sugar. So if you're somebody Uh, that struggles with that, you want to be mindful. If you're a normal eater, that's not a problem. You know, it's fine. I just, I can feel it. And and for me, I can be, unfortunately, it's annoying. It's really annoying. But if I start getting into berries, I can do the same thing with those and that just I do. House them. Yeah. So how about your kids then? Do you put them on the same kind of meal plan or diet or nutrition scale that you're on? Or do they no, kind of do their own thing? They do their own thing. I don't, love the way that I, uh, feed them and I'm working on it. It's really, really, I find, and this is not an excuse, but it's a tough subject because number one, they go to school with other parents that are, are conscious, but it right. is, it is really tough. Like I said to my husband, if I had like, could do it again, I'd probably move to some hippie community out West and like join people that are into like yeah. only eating off the land and vegan yeah. or something yeah. like I would do it differently, but to start now and say, okay, no gluten. Right. No yeah. You know, it's, I mean, we were just at Hershey park and my kids are right. eating the horrible corn dogs. And I'm like, Oh my God, these are disgusting, but they're also great. And I get it. I know. And so I try what I, what I do try to do is as much fruits, vegetables, whole grain. I mean, I just try the best I can to be, um, as kind conscious, of balance it out. 
to balance, but you know, I don't, I mean, I follow an autoimmune protocol, so I don't have soy, dairy, gluten, or sugar. I mean, that's, that's hard for the kids. Yeah, it is hard. It is. I think it's even harder now than when we were kids because there's so much crap out there and everything is packaged and, and all that. And if, once you get them onto it, you know, I had my four little boys and before everything that happened in my life, I was actually like cooking actual, you know, meals and they were having their green beans and sucking on this. Even from a young age, I would pacify them with a frozen carrot, like to get them used to, uh, wow. you know, the carrot face. But then my life kind of took a, that turn and I went into my own version of hell and I started buying like the frozen pizzas and putting them out there and that's what they got yeah. and mac and cheese and all this. And I did that for a couple of years. And then as I started waking up, I'm like, oh, hey, you know, we're not going to eat this. And it was like, it was done. It, they're in and it's a battle and I try to weave them out now and they're like, mom, really? Gluten-free waffles? I'm like, eat it! <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, <laughs> you're lucky to have anything. <laughs> but yeah, it's a battle and they make such fun of me. Like, why are you buying all this organic stuff and berries and stuff? I'm like, just eat it. But it is, it is something out there that is, I think, a rising issue, even for the parents that are aware and try to battle and take it back. It's like when we weren't looking, when we were so busy, when we were trying to do all these things, and when our kids go off to school uh, and they share snacks with friends or they have those school lunches and they're like, yeah. it, they're, they're in and it's hard and it's very hard to undo that and to reverse it unless the kid wants it but it's a battle parents go through yeah. even the yeah. parents that are aware of it and it seems like a ridiculous battle to have right like we should complain about that what a third world problem our kids have too much food and too much junk to eat yeah but yeah. it's some it's the unintended consequence of living in a land of all these you know options and opportunities is that there's the yeah the very real availability to go in excess or the wrong way. So for you to take that on, I mean, how do people come to you? And do you have a, like a balance of male and female clients that come to you to kind of find their way, find their, cause you have several programs. Your website, by the way, is beautiful. Um, yeah. Your website, it's juliereisler.com. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's a really very pretty site. I was like, Ooh, look at that. You know, and you always <laughs> look so nice in the picture. It's very easy to follow and flow through. So I would recommend anybody who is at that point where they're looking for some kind of balanced, nice, you know, friendly coach too, who will be gentle, but firm with you at the same time, uh, you know, check out the site and go there. You can get your books. You can find out about your speaking programs and you have these options now where you're helping people even monetize their purpose, which I think is great. It's what you wound up doing. Yeah. Uh, and if somebody can find a way to take their purpose and their passion and channel it into a means to provide for themselves and their family and, you know, make that living in a positive, meaningful way. What a gift, right? That's what we all seek and do. And that's what you're doing. And tell us a little bit about what are some of the first few things you'll do with somebody who, if I call you up and say, Julie, look, I really want to monetize my love for horses, right? I have the horses and I really want to find a way I can turn that into some kind of money-making thing. Yeah. You know, are there like, based, you have a template kind of that you apply to every, like take their, somebody's personal details and kind of feed them into the template. So oh my gosh, my brain, of course, as you say that as a creative, I'm like, Oh my God, I have so many ideas already for you. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? I have a, like a super something goes on and I get yeah. this idea. So, you know, people come to me for different reasons in different ways. And with coaching one-on-one, -on -one, really the goal is always 
client-centered, whatever that person is coming to me for, I'm all about them thriving in their life. So it might look like, um, you know, it might be a health goal. It might be a career goal. It might be getting unstuck here. It might be creating this. So that if it's one-on-one, it's always like, I always say, I trust your gut. You're the expert of your life. And so I've worked with absolutely men and women. I had a guy, um, it's really interesting. He was a VP at NASA. Uh, I'm in the DC area and he struggled with self-confidence believe it or not. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we have a mutual friend who I adore, yeah. who I got to coach around his starting his own business. Um, men and women, I work with both. I mean, I think the main thing is just understanding if there's a readiness for change. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the monetize your purpose, this is interesting. It's just in the last six to eight months, I realized that from starting a business from nothing, this is, you know, four years I've had my business, but I've been coaching for a decade. I've right. really been coaching a long time. So, I realized there's all this negative belief that, you know, especially if you're a coach or you're doing this, like you're not going to make it. And I keep hearing these, it's kind of like when you're pregnant and you hear all the crappy things about pregnancy. Yep. And I was like, don't tell me, I don't want to know. Like, let me create my own bubble of happiness yes. <laughs> until the moment. And then we'll, then I can cry and deal with it. But, um, I realized I didn't listen to that. And I've been very grateful, very grateful. I and mean, I've worked my butt off, but I've created a really, um, I feel thriving. It's successful. It's growing business. Mm -hmm. And I realized this is for anybody. What I believe is that when we marry our purpose and passion with, it's kind of like what we're here to do. It's like that Oak tree within, um, it doesn't matter if it's horses or it's coaching or it's, um, you know, being a private chef for somebody or healing, whatever it is you love to do. Um, my obsession is helping people to thrive and, and just, I guess I see it in two ways. One, when you feel full fulfilled inside, that's a different way to live. Number two, we're contagious. So really like the energy is contagious. So frankly, I think that our world is calling for a lot more positivity and love and prosperity and a thriving in a very, uh, not in a competitive way, but in a way where we all win. And so there's a bit of like, the more I help people to do that and to feel that that's going to change literally, hopefully my, my aims change yeah. how the world is doing. I mean, I have big hopes to do that because I feel like, what else am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, what? I love it. I'm not doing that. So that's just yeah. kind of how I'm wired. Um, but with you, you know, it's interesting. I don't necessarily have templates. I mean, I have worksheets. I have questions. I, right. You know, the main two things to understand when you're especially looking at monetizing your purpose or creating a business or taking what you love, there's the inner business and the outer business. And I'm a believer that the inner business is the most important aspect that threads throughout meaning. Do you feel self, do you feel worthy enough? Mm -hmm. Do you feel uh, that you deserve to thrive and be prosperous? Do you feel confident? Um, Do you feel like you have what it takes to be successful? If you don't have that or you feel wobbly, it's going to show up in the, in the results. So that's the part I always start with. And then that threads throughout. And then of course the, how do you run a business? How do you start things? How do you, so I do both. I mean, you need to do both. Wow. That's, that's broad. So if people want to come to you and find out about that help, they can find it on your website. Yeah, they can find it about, about my website, the monetize your purpose. I'll be running, I have a cohort starting September and then I'll probably run it again, um, early November. And that's just my name, julieviso.com forward slash purpose. And that tells you more about it. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so now I know I've been saying your name wrong the whole time. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I'm saying Reisler, Reisler. Do, I, okay, I will tell you, and you would think I would nail this by now with how many people I've met and talked to, but I mess up everybody's last names. <laughs> I it's like what I do. I'm going to give everybody a mug with the last names, right? Uh, okay, so... Not but moving on, moving on. So um, we talk a lot at American Snippets, what we focus a lot on and what is one of our core uh, missions and, and mission statements. We believe strongly in the American dream. Part of why we started this is because we wanted to kind of fight back against all the media and the push and the onslaught that's out there trying for some reason to make us all believe that the American dream is dead, that nobody can have it, that it's all a load of crap. It seems like there was a campaign waged against it. And so we're doing our part to campaign yeah. back against that and and remind people that it is still there. And this is why we'll, we'll use stories like yours to remind people that it is and offer them those lessons. But if we said to you, what is your definition of the American dream? Um, you know, what would you what would you say? Goodness, um, it's a great broad question. Look, I think the ability to have a free flowing conversation where we can have differing opinions and have the space for that is we're so darn lucky even to be in this space living in this country where we can do that. So I'm cool with differing opinions because we're allowed to have them to take yeah. it a step, you know, a notch further to me, it's the ability to be fully self-expressed, um, and to be thriving and yeah. prosperous in doing that. I mean, to literally be making a thriving living, expressing myself in an authentic way that's helping and serving people, that is a, that's the American dream to me. And to have that freedom to do it. I mean, and, and that is, I believe a right for every person that's in this country. I mean, I believe it's right for anybody, right. certainly in this country and, and it's possible. And the beautiful thing is, Barb, I've been surrounding myself with people over the last few years that are doing it. There are a lot of people thriving and doing this. Yes. And so I'm kind of here to say, like, do not buy into the negativity. Just don't allow yourself to get sucked yeah. into that. That means turning off the TV. If that means not looking at social media or taking people off your feed, like you got to mind your mind. I'm very meticulous with what I let in. I do not let in negativity. I just don't. I'm not going to take that in because I don't want to feed that out. And I don't believe in that. Yeah. Um, so I think we, I think that ability to express yourself fully and that freedom and then to be prosperous is just, I mean, it's a, it's a gift, total gift. Yeah. So if there was anybody that you could call up right now, if we said to you, Julie, you're going to pick up the phone, you're going to call this person that you've never met before. Uh, and you would spend an entire day with them and they would, it has to be living. They have to still be alive. Yeah. And, and you get to spend the entire day with them and get to know them and pick their brain. Oh, you, you know uh, what? Who would that oh, be? I mean, I know it already. I already listened to her uh, podcast uh -huh. today. I mean, I'm obsessed with Oprah. I think she is the ultimate example of the American dream from what she started yeah. out with, with abuse and craziness and sexual abuse and being told she couldn't. I, uh, I, I love her. I feel connected to her. My, one of my biggest dreams is to be on Super Soul Sunday with her and have a conversation with her. Um, I can envision it where I could spend a day with her. I don't know how and when, but I just, <laughs> she to me is somebody who has, who has believed in herself and defied so many odds and learned, I mean, talk about American dream. Yeah. She's just living it, doing it. So there is just no question. There's no question. I already was like, Oh, Oprah, there's no, uh, I mean, done, done and done. I mean, she'd be, um, there's a, there's a couple others, but they're not living anymore, but, but, yeah. but living that would be her. Yeah. 
Perfect. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. I'm so glad I got to meet you. We didn't get to get into the whole TEDx thing, but uh, that's what happens when I start babbling and we go in different directions. That's all right. We'll, we'll do it another time. Yeah. For another venue such. So we are going to remind everybody to go to Julie Riesler, Reisler. I can't even say it now. Now I'm all self-conscious. I don't care. Check out her programs, pick up her books. I mentioned earlier that uh, I'm going to be starting a a little book reading group. We're going to start pulling books from the people that we featured here in American Snippets. We're going to put your books right in that group. And at some point, we're going to spin the dial and your books are going to come up. We're going to have a book review club that's going to read those books. And uh, people want to get involved. They want to comment on the podcast, leave a review. We'll put them in a drawing and send them one of your books of their choice. Okay. Um, awesome. That's so great. I love yeah. it. And it's been so much fun. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, if I got, it, it was like, we're just chatting. So it's easy to let time <laughs> get away. But thank you again for being here. We're very excited to share your story. I am uh, very kind of, you know, inspired by how you overcame what you did overcome and how you use it to, to kind of reach into sort of an underserved population and, and let them find their way as well. So thank you. You're awesome. And I'm inspired by you and your story. And uh, I think what you're doing is so needed in this world. And I'm honored to be part of it. Seriously. Yay. Thank you very much. Hey, everyone. Dave Brown here again. Thank you so much for listening in to today's show. We'd also like to thank Julie Riesler for being here today and sharing her story. If you want to learn more about Julie, you can head on over to her website at julieriesler.com. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at the same handle. Uh, That'd be at Julie Riesler. Also, you could see the full article that we did on Julie. Uh, Watch the video interview and get all those social media links as well uh, at americansnippets.com forward slash zero six. Uh, We appreciate you being here today. Again, if you got some value out of today's episode, please share this on social media. Let us know what you thought. Tag us at American Stippets on Instagram and Facebook, uh, and we will see you next week. Again, thanks for listening. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. 